Come one, come all. Experience a story that will unlock the imagination of your youth. Come and see where the predictable is startled and where miracles abound. A man appearing so ordinary, but with endless worth. He defied the logical and the practical, lived and died for the impossible, an expression of true love. In a death-defying act, a man who conquers all. Come and see the greatest show on earth. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? Good? Awesome. Fantastic. If we haven't met, my name is Andrew Kim, and I'm the teaching pastor here at Troy. And as you all saw, we are going to be starting a brand new series in two weeks, just in time for Easter, which is called The Greatest Show on Earth. And it really revolves around this whole idea of a magic show. And this series is going to have three parts, or three acts, you can think of it as. And Act 1 is going to be starting on Palm Sunday weekend. Act 2 will be on Good Friday. And then Act 3, the whole finale, and just the final act, which brings everything together, will be happening on Easter weekend. And through this series, we're going to be journeying through the life of Jesus as he went from king to cross to resurrection. And so this is an amazing opportunity to not only for you all to come, and we'd love for you all to come and join us, but also a great opportunity to reach out and to invite family, friends, neighbors, and coworkers as well. And so to help you do that, we designed these little cards, and everyone can grab one. You can grab one for yourself, but also you can grab one to give out to somebody else. And our ushers will be uh, giving them out on your way out, so we'd love for you to grab one, two, however many you need in order to be able to uh, give them to somebody, hopefully this week. And also, if you're planning to be here for the Easter weekend, we'd also love for you to download tickets, and you can do so on our app or on our website. And the reason why we do that is that we have a lot of people coming through our doors on Easter weekend. And so just to accommodate everyone, um, we're just simply asking if you could just go and download tickets. They're absolutely free. But something else that I want to let you all know about that is going to be kicking off in two weeks is the Hope Water Project. And I have their shirt on right now. And just by a quick show of hands, how many of you have been a part of the Hope Water Project in any capacity in the past? Awesome, fantastic. It's a great, great thing. And to help me with this, I'm going to invite my friend Scott up. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. And you guys are all blessed today because not only do you have one Canadian up here, but now you have two. And so that's an amazing, amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing, really. And so, Scott, you've been a part of the Hope Water Project really ever since the beginning, right? Yeah, this is our, uh, our sixth year, and uh, we're going to be running the Detroit Marathon again. Yes, we are. We're going uh, to be cycling, some people up to 100 miles in, in August. And, uh, and we do all this, Andrew, to, uh, to raise money for the Pocot to drill wells in Africa. And uh, so we've been doing this for six years. Thousands of people have been part of it. We've raised millions of dollars. Uh, so for every $25,000 we raise, we change the lives of 2,000 Pocot. That's amazing. And it's, it's just been a great journey. So um, I understand that uh, you guys were kind of putting together a team. I don't know. I wanted to invite Danny up. Danny, you got a minute? You can come on up and see us. I, I understand. Listen, so Troy, guys, I, from the pastors, we really have not had a great showing. I mean, they've kind of run the 5K. You guys all... There he comes. You guys... Gosh. You guys all heard Steve Norman's story, never training, running a marathon. So anyway, Andrew, I understand that you, you kind of, you're new, you're Canadian, you're inviting people 
to join us. Yeah, and, well, and Danny's coming alongside. What does the Canadian thing have to do with anything? <laughs> well, the marathon, it goes through Canada. Oh, I got you. Right. So, so we go over the bridge. It's international. I we go you. through Canada. And, and it's just, is, you know, I think Canadians are better runners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's a scientific fact, actually. So, so anyway, Andrew, I, I, I had a jersey for you. Um, so we want to awesome. invite you, so inviting you, welcome you. And then Danny, I'm sorry I didn't have anything that would fit. Um, <laughs> oh, so, ouch. Um, but ouch. actually, you know, I brought, I brought Danny up here because I, I really wanted to highlight, we're not looking, Andrew might be an elite runner, we're not sure yet. Danny, this is what we're looking for right here, guys. Anybody can do it. <laughs> Join me. Join me. Rise up. So... Again, we're not looking for the elites. Come, come, join us on Saturdays. What is happening right now? I, Dan, we did not rehearse it's, this. It's there's just facts and reality, and it is what it is. Didn't you realize there's no condemnation and shame in Christ? I love shame. <laughs> You're like amen. You're like amen. <laughs> so come, come, join us on Saturdays. It's a great way to meet. Great, way, great way to connect, and we get to do a great thing, raising money for people in Africa. So. Absolutely. And so, if you guys would You're like awesome. more information, all you you can go to the app, the website. And you can sign up there, find out more information. You can also have a conversation with someone out in the lobby afterwards. They have a shirt on exactly like the one that Scott is uh, wearing today. And last year was incredible. Last year, we raised more than $315,000, which was able to provide clean drinking water to more than 212,000 people. Yeah, you can definitely clap for that. That's, that was amazing. And so this year, we're hoping to exceed that goal because there are still more than a million Pocot people who need clean drinking water. So this is a great opportunity for all of you to jump in and to have a huge impact on the life of someone thousands of miles away. So thanks so much, everyone. And so let's all, at this time, let's all stand up and let's greet someone. Let's say hello to someone around us. So uh, Andrew came to me this week. He said, hey, I just got out of a Hope Water meeting. Uh, would you do it with me? I was like, are you kidding me? And uh, I, said, yeah, I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, we're going to do a relay. So I have to be able to run six miles. I'm like, I can run six miles, please. So we are going to do a relay team for Troy. So you got to be praying for us. Uh, that's fun. That's really fun. We have a good time. So, hey, we are in the second week of a series called Unstoppable Force. And we're looking at the God's design of a church to be this force in the world for his purposes. And last week we got to hear from Dave Wilson and Steve Andrews, who are our founding pastors. And it was, if you didn't get to see that message, I encourage you to, to go back on kensingtonchurch.org, watch that message. Because whenever you can hear from the founders of a church and a movement, you start to really get the heartbeat of what we're about. And so they talked about how the church is built on the rock of Christ and that rock moves and it rolls through the world. And as it goes, it leaves a mark, a kingdom mark on the world. And today we're going to talk about a little different slant. And I'm excited about the message today because this type of message was a paradigm shift for me years ago when I started thinking about the church. And so what I'm hoping happens is there is a paradigm shift for some of you in the room. Because we have images in our mind of what church is, 
or maybe even what should be. But scripture will give us a vision for what it can be and really was designed to be. And so that's what we're going to look at. And I think some of you are going to realize your gifts, your talents, your life, your circumstances, all can converge and emerge into something in a community that is rooted in Christ. And so I'm really hoping for that. Some of you may never have heard this message at all. Some of you may actually think it's a different time right now. Like it's 942 and you have no idea why you're even here, right? Last service, I looked around, I was like, people didn't get it. You know, and people started wandering in at 10 o'clock. But some of you are here, you don't even know why you're here. You've wandered in, you need something, but you don't know what it is. What I'm hoping by the end of the day is you realize that you are deeply loved and that you have specific spiritual gifts that God has given you, not to use just for your own purposes, but to use them in community to change the world. And then some of you sitting in the seats have been part of communities for a long time and you've forgotten. You've forgotten these spiritual gifts that God has given you. You might have just been even putting them. And I'm hoping that today is a challenge for you and it motivates you to step in even more. And so that's what we're going to look at. For me, personally, I grew up in my particular spiritual experience when I was in my childhood. It was a beautiful experience. The church was gorgeous. There was a lot of beautiful rituals. I felt cared for there. I had a couple uh, pastors that really took care of me. And, and, and really tried to, to nurture my spiritual journey. And so I felt safe. I guess maybe that's the, the term I would say. I didn't say that in any other service. But I felt safe, and, I, and it was a good feeling. But I never felt that I was part of something bigger. In fact, I would say I never felt that I was even needed in the church. It was more like I needed to go there so that I could win the favor of God and I could be good enough is how I felt. I'm not saying that's true, but that's how I feel. But I never realized something bigger. But today, we're going to look at a scripture I think paints it a different way. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote a large part of the New Testament, he's speaking to a group of people in Corinth that are living out a pretty indulgent life, and they kind of worship the human body. And many times we'll see in scripture where They'll take the cultural images of the day or some words and they'll redeem it for Christ. And so in this particular scripture, as we start out to get a vision of where we're going, Paul is speaking to people in this region and he's using the image of the human body. But he's putting, he's saying, guess what? You worship this body, but guess what? God's church is similar to a human body. Listen to what he says. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Don't miss that. There are gifts given to you and to me, to each of us, so that we can help each other. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So there's gifts that we have that we share with one another, help each other, and it's God and his spirit alone that distributes these gifts. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? 
But our bodies have many parts. And listen to this. And God has put each part just where he wants it. You'll see many times in the scripture, God's intentional. And we might not like our role sometimes in the body. But God is intentional. He's placing each part exactly where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. By the way, I or we could never say to you, we don't need you. I need you. We need each other. It's a beautiful picture what Paul's painting here. He's changing this, this, this vision of church. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. I never heard that growing up. I never heard that. That I'm part of something bigger? That God wants to use me? That he gives gifts, and those gifts can be used in a community? And when the community comes together, they rely on each other. Every little single part of the body is important and valuable. Wow, that image is beautiful. And I want it in your mind because Paul speaks to many gifts that God gives. And all of us have different kind of gifts. And he goes through almost a list of gifts at one point and through a few different scriptures about maybe 28, 30 30 gifts. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just a list to start sparking what God can do. God can do anything. He gives so many great gifts. Gifts of service, word of knowledge, teaching, healing, interpreting, leadership, mercy, helps, administration. And you'll see these in so much of Scripture. So God's gifted his people. Now, in the early time, in Exodus, the book of Exodus, when it was God was giving vision for his people, he started to break this down even then. He said, I have a vision for you, that you are going to be my special people. Not only are you going to be my special possession, but you are going to become a priesthood. Now, Peter, who is close to Jesus, he brings that back after Christ. And he says, don't forget this. He writes in 1 Peter, he says, but you, all those in Christ, you are a chosen people. I love that because, again, intentional. When you choose something, you you make a decision. So God makes a decision. He, He chooses you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Oh, I love that verse. What vision is that? That you're royal, that you're holy, that you're chosen, that you're God's. I never heard that. But when I hear that, I think, yes, that's the church. That's a movement this means that each person who is following Christ in a community is part of a priesthood. Have you, ever, have you ever thought of yourself as part of a priesthood? It is what we call the priesthood of all believers. And you'll hear that saying sometimes for some of us up here. And that changes how church operates. That means we all have skin in the game. We all have gifts that need to be utilized and valued. We all are made unique. We all are made to benefit each other. We all are made to benefit the world and the surrounding communities. We are valuable to the mission of God and this church and his church. Beautiful image. I want that in your mind. Because we're going to dive into a few specific gifts that Paul says are for the church. And then hopefully you'll start to see yourself and why this particular church operates the way it does. So let me pray and then we'll jump, jump into even more of this. Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for laughter. Thank you for community. Thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we ask that we sense you, feel you speaking to us. We sense your presence. And we, well, Lord, we ask you for a new paradigm shift in the way that we think about our community, our church, the way we think about you. Lord, would you give us a new vision to see wider how you want your church to operate here in our state, in our country, and in our world. Open our eyes, Lord, please. Amen. Well, there's a great writer, uh, Howard Snyder. He's a professor. He's a minister, uh, missionary. And he wrote this, and I thought it was, it was poignant to what we just talked about. He said, the clergy-laity dichotomy, meaning the clergy, the professional ministers, and the, and the laity, the people that are, show up in the congregation, is one of the principal obstacles to the church effectively being God's agent of the kingdom today because it creates a false idea that only holy men and women, namely ordained ministers or seminary trained pastors, are really qualified and responsible for leadership and significant ministry. Now, I love that he added significant ministry because some of the most significant movements of God, even recent times, have not been by trained professionals, clergy. In fact, there's one gentleman that started a house church movement in China. It started small and now it's 3 million people. And he wasn't a trained clergy. He was a person called by God using his special gifts. Now we see that even in our partnership in Nepal. We have these women that are are, are trafficked and then rescued. Now Ramesh, who's our partner there, does train them for a small period of time. More, more importantly, heals, it helps them heal. But then they're sent out to be a priesthood. In fact, we have a picture, and I love this picture because I was in this village. I was right there. That's Jyoti on the left. And this is what I love about this picture. They dress them in the color what? Purple. What's the color purple? The color of royalty. They have these royal robes on. They're the royal priesthood right there. Right in that, that little building right there in the back is where they're holding church. And when they show up, in these villages, you can look down these, these, these big kind of fields all the way, and you see people just coming. Hundreds, thousands of people coming to Christ. From those powerful women that have experienced Jesus and realized their gifting and calling in their life. Wow! That's church. Isn't that amazing? It's an incredible vision. And so there's a dichotomy that hopefully, or this, this paradigm that's hopefully shifting. Because many times in the West, we are used to the sage on the stage. Don't worry, I don't want to call myself a sage. But the way it's set up right now, look at how we're set up. The, the, the seats are angled, there's an elevated stage, and you're looking at me. And we're used to that. We used to it in the classroom. It's this sage on the stage. And I'm the one with the mic, and I can say anything I want, Right? But reality, it should be the guide on the side. We should be walking together. Steve Norman, he was here a a long time ago, and he he and I talked. He said, when you, he used to say to me all the time, when you speak, make sure you're speaking among the people, not down to the people. And I thought, wow, what a great vision that Steve had for that. Never forgot that. We should be more guides on the side rather than stage on the stage. But we're used to that. And so we're going to look at one of the scriptures written by the Apostle Paul that talks about the gifts 
and how they work in the church, specific gifts. And Paul was a passionate follower of Jesus. And he was also probably the first Christian church planter. He took the theology and the truth and the wisdom and the power uh, that was given through Christ. And then he took it out and he put it to the world. And so he started planting communities and churches. And as he went, he preached Jesus. He brought people into faith. And then he trained them up and said, this is how you create a community and a church in your context. And so he encouraged them not just to gather and stay together, which is a, is a very important part. But he also said, you need to be an unstoppable force for God in this world. You need to go. So you can gather, but this isn't an exclusive club. You need to go and you need to share your faith. You need to move. And Paul lived that out. And we can learn from this. And we'll understand, I think we'll understand even more of this particular church by the end of today. Uh, by, by looking at the scripture. So Paul is writing from prison because he was preaching the gospel and it caused a lot of ruckus in this particular place. He's in prison. He's writing to his friends in a place called Ephesus and he's writing to them, encouraging them about their gifts and then asking them how to set up their, or teaching them how to set up their structure, their community. Ephesians 4. However, he, God, has given each one of us a special gift. That word gift can also be interpreted in very... Uh, different translation as grace. I actually like that. It's like each one of us a special grace through the generosity of Christ. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity and faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be completely mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I, when I read that, I think, oh, then this work is going to go on until I die. Like this, and, and I think Paul's saying, this is going to go on forever. We're just going to keep building into the image of God, but this is going to go on forever. And, and Paul says, God has given the church gifts. What gifts? Apostles, prophets, evangelists. Pastors, teachers. Now, Alan Hirsch, who wrote a book called The Forgotten Ways, probably, I don't even know, 2009, 2008, He wrote a book called The Forgotten Ways, and he calls this the apest. And I actually like apest because I can remember it. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Shepherd is another word for pastor. And I love that. I love that, being able to look through all of those and be able to see them and see this apex uh, thing. He calls this the five-fold ministry, meaning all five of these have to be present in a community for it to move and to have healthy growth. And he ex- actually even says that this, <laughs> he deems it the M-DNA of the church, the movement or the movemental DNA of the church. He explains how important all of these are when they're working in conjunction with each other. He believes, as we believe here, that the first three, the apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist, and aptly named ape, A-P-E, is like this driving force of the church, this ape. And I love that image because it's like an ape. Like, you know, it's coming out. It's like, I'm going to move this thing forward. The first three kind of have that feeling of moving it forward. If you know any apostle, apostles push. And I'm going to go through each one of these. Prophets push, evangelists push. There's this thing. So these kind of first three push us, push us to grow and move. If you don't have that, you tend to sit back. And then the last two are 
are desperately needed, and they are to nurture and to grow in the Word of God. And they tend to be more inward focused, though not always, but they tend to be that way. He says all of these have to work together. And so we're going to look at these individually. Now, just so you know, today feels a little bit more like teaching rather than preaching. So I want you to, to, to come in and kind of learn these things. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of yourself in these as well. Start thinking, do you see some of your tendencies, some of your gifting, some of your thing? Can you see yourself? And then, and then we'll tie it to our church context as well. The first one, apostle. The apostle is one who is sent. It's actually what it means. The sent one. The word apostle is actually borrowed from the vocabulary of the Roman Empire. In Greek culture, an apostle was like an ambassador that was sent by the emperor to represent and to cultivate the culture of the empire within a newly conquered land. So the emperor would say, I need you to go here. We just took over this land. I need you to go in there. Root yourself down, enculturate that place with our DNA. Tell them how we're going to live now that we've owned them. Now, isn't that interesting that the word would take that word from culture and then redeem it? Because think about it. If we have DNA of Jesus in our hearts, in our lives, in our community, we're sent as an apostle, some of you, to go to a new land and root down and have the culture of Jesus start to take that over kingdom of God. So it's a cool vision. And it's a beautiful gift. Now, the apostle is the one that always wants to go. Taking the hill, moving, entrepreneurial. You may be like that. You may be like that. You can start something, but you don't like to finish it. Like, I'm just going to keep going. You guys take care of the rest. Now, you might be that person. Someone next to you might be hitting you go, that's what I hate about you, right? So... You just go, and you go, and you go. You want to take that hill. You want to conquer. What well, a friend of mine says, it's like cowboys and farmers in the West. And the cowboys would jump on their horses and take off and find new land. The farmers would stay back and actually do the work on the land they already had. So they would break ground. Now, when you do that, it can be uncomfortable, but it provides this pulse of go. It's what we call here the go pulse. It's what Alan Hirsch calls in his book as well. This go pulse. Now, Steve Andrews, who's our leader of this Kensington movement, this is his highest gift. And so Steve, all the time, he's like, we got to go. What are we doing? We got to move. We got to take this. I'm like, easy, Steve. Like, whoa, you know, it's like the cowardly lion. Go hold me back. You know, I'm like, hold him back, Steve. No, he's not like a cowardly lion. But so he's moving all the time. And we always have to, sometimes we really do have to hold Steve back because he's like, oh, we got to go. We got to take this next hill. We got to do this. I see these visions. We got to go. He's being sent all the time to different places. And it's a powerful goal, Paul's. It's all, it, it can also be very overwhelming. He's like, no, no, no. We got we to take, take what we have. No, no. We got to go. And, Steve, and that is the pulse that has driven us. I remember when, we only, when I first got here, we only had this campus. And then a few years after I was here, Steve's like, we got to plant churches. I just want to stay in the same church. We got a plant. That's the vision. So we're going to start another church out in Rochester. And every, I'm telling you, everyone on staff is like, no. No, we can't do that. We don't have this. We don't have this. He's like, we're doing it. And we planted a church out of Adams High School. We called it North Campus at the time. 
And we, at the time, we didn't have enough musicians or artists to do both. So you know what we had to do? We had to have p- singers sing here, the first service. They'd go out the back door, get in a van, go all the way to Adams, sing there, get back in the van, come back here. Look, here's the reality. The staff hated Steve. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. They were so angry. Like, are you kidding me? But guess what? Six months later, you know what started happening? We had artists. We had people. And the movement of God started to take root in another area in this town. When you have an apostle that's sent by God to go into a region, it can be uncomfortable to move. But when we move, we grow. When leaders go, the church grows. It's like a pond. If a pond just sits there stagnant for too long, it's smelly. Now, I'm not telling you you're smelly, but if we, if we have a pond there, but when water flows through and moves, you have movement, that's how you stay healthy. And so, so there's this beautiful picture of the apostles. So that's the apostle. Second one is the prophet. The prophet is the one who knows. If the apostle says, we're gonna take this city for Christ, the prophet says, well, this is where we're gonna go in this city. This is what God's saying, and this is what we're gonna do. He's the one that hears and knows. They discern spiritual realities in a given situation for the furthering of the mission. They can see godly visions many times, and they also can sense and see trouble that's going to happen. They can see further ahead and think this isn't going to work. And they're called, if you look in Scripture, the prophets are called to speak hard truth, God's hard truth, in some of the most intense situations with life-threatening consequences. But they, they're, they're going to stand there and they're going to say what needs to be said. And so you know what that makes the prophet? Annoying. <laughs> they're like sandpaper. And they rub against everything and they're, and they're pushing all the time. And, and, they, and they can look at stuff and they, they can be like Eeyore at times. If they're immature, they're just like, yeah, we're never going to make it. You do whatever you want, but it's not going to happen. You know, it can be that feeling of a prophet. But when they're mature... They will take you to another place you can never imagine. In fact, you see that in Scripture. A professor once told me a couple of years ago, he said, an immature prophet is a trash collector. A mature prophet is a treasure hunter. And you see that in the book of Micah, because the whole first five chapters in that book, or even all the way to the end of six close, is, is Micah saying, Guess what, people of God? Your worship's no good. You're not doing this. You're not honoring God. And it's intense. You read it, and you're like, man, what a downer. And then you get to Micah 6 8. That's actually one of my life verses. And he's like, Israel, people of God, you're not doing what God's asking you to do. This worship isn't acceptable to Him. You think it's all these things, and you're going through the motions just because you think you're doing this. But that's what he's. And then he, then he says, but do you know what God requires? He's like, God requires you to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before him. That's the treasure. He, the, pro, the mature prophet sees where we need to go, and he's calling it out, but many times we get lost in the trash. And, that, and So this is my highest gift. If I was to test out, this is my highest gift. And that does not translate well in homes and in marriages. So be like, Amy, you're just not this, and you're not that, and the kids need to get this, and I can see it all, but this, you know, like that happened many years, and finally Amy's like, you're Debbie Downer, like what is, what is wrong with you? Because I was immature. Have to be careful. 
And when the prophet's mature and he's speaking only what God tells him to speak and the timing that God tells him to speak, it's a powerful moment. That's the prophet. Next one is evangelist, one who recruits. He communicates the gospel in such a way that people respond with faith. This person has a natural gift to lead people who don't know Christ into a relationship with him for the very first time. Now this, for us in our community, is Dave Wilson. It's Dave all the time, all day long. Dave's an evangelist. Evangelist is his highest gift. He's like, oh, I'm, every meeting I've been with him, probably 15 years I've been on staff, every meeting, he's always, at some point, something he'll say, but what about the guy that doesn't know? What about the woman that's not following? How do we reach that person? Always. He is the one that preached here 18 years ago on Easter for me that pulled me right into faith. He had a way of communicating that would draw me right in, change my life. He's got that gift. And now we have Steve as the apostle and Dave as this evangelist. You can see this kind of ape taking form. They push, they push. They're always looking for the other one. Now, sometimes the evangelist looks so far out and focus outward that they forget the people around them. Sometimes they can even come off cold. That's why they need shepherds and teachers. Because as you're evangelizing everyone out there, the shepherds and teachers are coming around and creating help here. And that will take you right into the shepherd. Shepherd, the pastor, is the one who nurtures and protects. This is a shepherding gift, which is a nurturing gift, a caring gift, a protecting gift. Now, here's the fascinating thing about this. Most people that lead churches are called what? Say it out loud. What are they called? Pastor. Isn't that interesting? Because do you realize that pastor is an actual spiritual gift? And many pastors don't have the gift. So they're actually not pastors. Like Steve Andrews, apostle. He's, he doesn't have this gift. It's not, it, it, he has some of it, but he doesn't have it. It's not his highest one. So it's kind of deceiving. So we call this day, pastors shouldn't lead churches. Now, I would add something to that. Pastors shouldn't lead churches alone. Now, here's, here's where I had a paradigm shift years ago here in this church. Like I told you, my context when I grew up was very pastoring, very close, very, you know, and it felt good. I felt safe. I come here, and I don't know what year it was, but I was listening to Steve Andrew on this stage, and he's talking, and he leans, he leans, now, now if you don't know Steve, that's okay. I'll try to give you my best impression, but he gets... He can get really intense, and his glasses at the time would kind of fall down a little bit, and he squints his eyes, and he talks a little bit like George W. Bush, and he's like, and when he talks, he squints his eyes away, and he can look, he can look kind of angry. He's not angry, but he can kind of look angry. And he's like, guess what? If you're in the hospital, and you need somebody to come visit you, don't call me. I'm not going to come. I was sitting back there, I'm like, Please. I'm not going to come there. I got to look at you. You're like, I'm not going to come there. You call someone in your small group. Someone that knows you. If I don't know you, I'm not going there. What? What? You got to understand. I'm sitting back there. I was like, I have never in my lifetime ever heard a pastor say those words. That is the weirdest thing I ever heard in my life. Why did he do that? Does it mean that Steve never is a pastor? Does it mean he never visit the hospital? No, it actually doesn't. 
Steve has visited the hospital and he has pastored people. Well, now, don't tell him, but it's not his highest gift. So we're training him, but you know, he's not quite the best at it, but he's, a, but he's an apostle and he sees vision and he sees go and go and go. And what he was saying in that moment, it took me a couple years to fully understand. It really did because it was such a paradigm shift for me. You know what he's saying in that moment? It's brilliant. He's saying, guess what? Do you know, and I'll say this to you today, do you know the power that God will give you? You are a priesthood. You are empowered to go. You don't have to wait for me to get to the hospital to pray. You don't have to wait for me to bring the spirit of God. God will use you. So you see what he's doing there? He's, he's using his apostolic gift of go, and he's telling people, you have it, go. Brilliant. He's teaching the priesthood of the believers. And it's a powerful, powerful moment. But shepherds are needed. Shepherds are needed to care. Shepherds are needed to protect. Shepherds are needed in this fivefold ministry. And then the last one is teacher. One who understands and explains. He explains the word of God and teaches it in such a way that there's better understanding. They have deep truth, knowledge, and wisdom that they impart through the word of God to build up the followers of Christ and to sustain them through all kinds of moments in their life. They build up on these moments. And they have a way of telling you about the word of God where it draws you in and starts to actually tattoo the word of God on your heart. Andrew Kim, this is his highest gift. He loves the word of God. I love the word of God too, but I can't teach it like Andrew. And when you see a teacher, you say, he's a teacher. She's a teacher. And that's not my highest gift. My highest gift actually is prophetic or prophet. And shepherd. So I'm a prophet, shepherd, and I have a little bit of apostle as well on the other ones. But Andrew, it's just so beautiful, he's teacher evangelist. So whenever you're putting a team together, you're always looking for that. You're always looking for this kind of complementary partner. It's beautiful. So what does this mean to all of us right now? Because you're sitting there going, look, I'm not even, I'm not even professional. I'm not clergy. What does this mean? I love Dave Gibbons. Dave Gibbons is a writer. He's a Someone that just came here a few weeks ago, he taught us a lot of beautiful training, and he wrote a book called Small Cloud Rising. It's a tiny book. It's worth you getting. Dave Gibbons, Small Cloud Rising. Beautiful image of the church, kind of even hints to this priesthood of believers. And he puts this kind of language in Ephesians in cultural language of business in some ways. But look at what he says. Throw that up there. And, and so here's what I want you to do. I want you to start thinking through. Now, if you've heard this, think through and see how you're wired. But... In Ephesians, it says it's apostle. The alternate titles, it may be a visionary or a CEO. He catalyzes, lays foundations, entrepreneurial, touches all five key roles. That's what's interesting about the apostle. They tend to touch all five roles, all five of them. I see Steve Andrews do that well. Prophet is a voice, is a COO, this chief operating officer. He tells it like it is. The realist sees the future and communicates it. Evangelist is this luminary, this marketer. That's Dave Wilson. When I think about that, inspires, leads others. He's kind of light, winds of socially warm, generates awareness and interest. Teacher is a sage or a consultant or advisor. Creatively communicates truth, passes on critical life truths and rhythms. And then the shepherd is a parent, a father or mother, a human resource director, a manager, cares for people, protects them, serves them. Now, I'm just curious. 
How many of you see yourself as prophets? Don't be shy. You can, you can say that. Anyone see themselves as evangelists? Apostles? Shepherd? Teacher? Now, how many of you have no idea potentially what you even are? Don't, don't be shy, but just hold up your hand. How many of you? Many of you, right? That's very normal. Now, there's no way to know exactly what we are. God, it says in Scripture, God gives you these gifts. It's not ours to just make up. He gives them to you. But there are ways to look at your life and see your tendencies. Look at how you've been made and start to, to, to go into conversation. So I just have a few practical things for you. There's a few ideas that you can do. These very simple. This is fivefoldministry.com. I had Andrew Kim do it a couple of days ago. It gives you kind of the layout of the APAST. So you can just uh, take a picture of that or do anything. But if you go on that website, free little test. I don't think you have to have any, enter anything into it. You can just kind of look through that and it'll give you sort of what you are in a percentage breakout. Now look, it's not gonna be exact. This is God's territory, but this gives us language. Spiritual gift tests, if you just Google that, there's a number of them out there. Myers-Briggs tests, Strengths Finders. I've done all of those. I have never done Enneagram, but I heard they're great. Uh, but all of this is, these are practical ways for you to start conversations. I don't want you to take these as gospel because God is the one that gives and develops. But these are a good, just practical way of us putting language on things to help us move and, 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 and uh, actually grow in our gifts in our gifts. So we can pray about this. We can pray to God about this. We can talk to our closest people because many times we're like, I'm a CEO. And, you know, my wife will go, no, actually you're not, you know, <laughs> you're not that at all. Now, would you go, you know, whatever, clean up something. So uh, we, we, we have delusions about what we are and we need God to speak reality into us as well as our community. But remember, and this is really important, none of those are better than the other. And this is also really important for you to hear. No gift given by God is less than. None. We live in a culture that tells us that this person is the thing and this person isn't. And because we live in that culture, it is causing so much dissonance among the younger generation because they don't think they're good enough or they're seeing all these other things are even false. And so I just want you to know when God gives you a gift, no matter what part of the body that you are, you are of unsurpassable worth in his eyes. So don't lift any over the other, okay? I just need to say that because it can cause odd things. All right, so we're going to receive our offering right now. And so if you've come prepared uh, to give, awesome. Uh, actually, to, to be generous and to give is, an, is our way of, of going back to God and saying thank you. You know, we're so grateful for what you're doing in our lives, what you've given us. So uh, if you've come prepared to do that, awesome. Thank you for being part of that. If you're brand new and you're here just visiting or this is just your first, first few times here, you don't, this doesn't have to be your moment. Uh, if you want to take part, great. If not, just go right out to the lobby. There's a place called Starting Point, And that's where we can shake your hand, give you a gift and try to connect you into this big place. We'd love to hear your story. Let me give you a couple thoughts. We have a mission statement here at Kensington. The mission statement is to see, in fact, you guys know it, to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. Let's say that, to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. One more time, to see everyone. This is a cool way to lay this out. To see everyone is the evangelist, the transformative part can be rooted in the pastor or teacher. 
The mobilization part is the apostle, and by Jesus meaning the prophet is the one that sometimes can see and call out the works of God and what he demands of us in those moments. And, and so all of those can work within our mission statement. But everyone is important to everything that we do. And I love what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 16. He says, from the whole body, joined together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? In love. So that the body grows to build itself up in love. We are an apostle-led church. We are a church that's gonna go and go and it's gonna have the foot on the gas. That's what this place is. That's what Amy and I love about this place. Sometimes it's what we hate about this place, you know, because we're just moving, moving, moving. And, and by human nature, we like to stand still. We like to say, no, no, we're good. I like the safe ground. But this church is not built that way. And Steve will never take his foot off the gas. He's pushing and pushing. And I think it's beautiful. You know why? Because do you realize that everything you've ever done in your life that you've learned to do well, you've had to feel uncomfortable? Now, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be really honest. From now until the Detroit Marathon, I'm going to be really uncomfortable. <laughs> right? If I already told you in January that I'm losing a lot of weight. I already have. I'm almost down 25 pounds. But I'm going to tell you something like, not since January. <laughs> not since January. That would be weird. But since December. So they're like, what? What plan are you on? You know, like I have my own plan. I lost 25 pounds in three weeks. So um, anyway. But I'm going to feel uncomfortable. Why? Because anything that you have to do, you have to move. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to go into uncomfortable places. We're that place. We're going to always be that place. As long as Steve's at the helm, we are going to be pushing and pushing. We have this go pulse. But the go pulse is at the center of everything we do. So I told you, when I first got here, one campus. Now, 18 years later, we have eight campuses, almost 60 church plants across this country, 13 global uh, partners, probably a million people a year that we're going to reach for the gospel because of this community. Now, I'm not bragging on us. I'm bragging on what God is doing in this community. It's powerful. What a privilege. And as leaders go, the church grows. We have to go. And Paul says, you got to go. He says, you got to go. That's this go pulse that's pushing us, pushing us. I remember one time Steve was here and uh, he, it was a Wednesday night and he met some guy over here. This guy planted a church. He, I think he was from North Point Church down in Atlanta. He planned a, a video church out in, in Birmingham. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I, I don't remember exactly. He talks to the guy down here. I don't even think he knew him that well. He talks to him here and he goes, hey, come up with me. And he walks him up here. He goes, hey, I just met this guy. He's planting a church in Birmingham. If uh, you're part of Birmingham or you live out there, go to his church. Like, no, don't tell that. People are going to leave, right? Why does he do that? Because he knows the movement's the most important thing. He's not gripping on our people. He's saying, we need to go and we need to share. We need to move. That's the pulse of who we are. And last night when I was driving home, uh, Amy, my wife, called me. And she said, do you realize that that core truth of movement has changed our life? Because people were here moving before we ever got here. And when Dave Wilson preached that message at Easter, which by the way, I hope when you leave here, you pick up a ton of Easter invites and invite people because there are people like me out there that I was 18 years ago that need to hear the message of Jesus. Don't be shy, invite, 
Because when people hear that, guess what happens? It changes things. And Amy's like, do you realize our radical change in our life that happened? Because this church is pushing and moving and growing. And, he, and then she said, do you see the multiplication in our own life, let alone the life of the church? And we started thinking, wow, God has just multiplied our life. Now, I'm not saying our life's perfect. What I'm saying is, as you go, God shows and grows in you in different ways. That's the heart of this place. That's the vision. That's what we invite you into. Now, I know that a couple, uh, last week, Dave and Steve talked about the Everyone campaign that, we're, that we started two years ago, um, where we really aimed to, to, to raise uh, a certain amount of money to build a building in Clinton Township, amongst other things. But that was our main flagship project. Why is that so important? That building that's going to open just a couple months is going to be a beacon of life and light, potentially for generations to come. And people are going to grow out of that, and then they're going to plant other churches, and they're going to go and go and go. That's why we believe the campaign is so important. And so Steve and Greg have a, a message that I'd like you to hear. Listen to how Steve talks. Listen and try to imagine how this church has started here, and then God has pushed it out by this go pulse. And then I'm going to invite you in to a journey of our last year of this campaign. Every once in a while, a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission, like double down on what they're all about. And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times. And our Everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three-year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. A few thousand people have already given toward this, and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jumping in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington, and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building, where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system, and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in East Town Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth With A Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years, we have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And, and when you think of all that, what for you uh, like really gets you pumped up? Our story is almost unique in the world. 
when I tell people around the country, say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here 40 minutes away are giving to these people and they're giving like major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It, it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is the, this spirit of other-centeredness. The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably. Yep. But there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment, it's amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two. And think about this. This is this seems almost corny, but Troy's getting a new parking lot for a new Troy campus. Listen, there's a new spirit at Troy and a new vision and a new movement that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years. We have signage. We have things that are happening at every campus to make us better, and we're going to step in and see those things happen. Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church planting operation, a church planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America? I did, but I had no way, I had no way of knowing the variation mm -hmm. of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who, who are, have been executed, have been beheaded this year. We get, gosh, we get to be a part of, are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed that it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that People hear, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, you want, you want to start like a beautiful building? Like, No. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time, new small groups and homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the hearts of Kensington people literally, literally every second. You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire? Yeah. Well, the empire that's being built belongs to Jesus Christ, not to me. Not to, No one on this staff owns any of this. This belongs to the Kensington body. And what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside, we do far more outside. We're going to launch our 59th U.S. domestic church this year. We are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ globally. It's like what we do here at Kensington. It's like the, the epicenter of, of everything going out. Almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes. them out. Yes, yeah. and, then, and then the greatest resource is the people themselves as they go out to do what God's called them to do. So there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, and uh, we still have a year of the Everyone campaign to go. What would you love to see happen? Very simple. I want 100% of us to be in to this Everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's going to be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next 100 years. 
and I help build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the, the oppression of the question, what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've been, been given, whether it's for the Everyone campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors, and that we begin to live not with this concern about how do I preserve my own life, it's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but it, as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus, yours be done, man. What might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come. can really feel the gift of Steve being an apostle, can't you? Like the, the, the vision of that, the push of that. It's, and, I, and I love his, it, Greg, Greg says, so what do, you, what do you see out of this? And Steve's like, oh, it's really simple. Just 100% participation. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. I was like, wow. You know, I, I, be honest with you, I've never said that. I'm like, hey, and he's like, 100%. And I'm like, yes, what am I thinking? 100%. Why? Because he knows, and I know, and our community knows the importance of having the presence of God here and around the world. It's unbelievable what's happening, what uh, opportunity that we have. And so you're invited into that. Like they said, there's many people in the last few years that you're brand new here. You've never even been invited into this kind of a journey. And we're asking you to step in uh, for this last year. We're going to make a really strong push for the last year uh, to do a number of things. So I just want to share with you a couple uh, slides that will explain uh, some of this. And then, uh, and then I'm just going to ask you to step in, but go ahead and bring that up. So uh, Kensington, generally by the numbers, we have about 14,000 people in attendance a uh, week to week, depending on, on the year, but that's about uh, our average. And the number of uh, giving households is around uh, 7,500. Now out of those, almost 3,000 gave to the Everyone campaign. And so we know that there are many people that, that can step in if God uh, prompts them to do that. And so that's what we're saying. It's like, hey, let's, let's jump in and do this. I'll go to the next one. And so the last couple uh, years, uh, we've, we've raised a, a decent amount of money. We know by the pledge that's already been pledged for 22 million starting or ending in March 19. So we know for the next year, we'll have that. Now we're looking at the startup part of this one more year until the end. We're hoping uh, that God would give us another $8 million. And so we're inviting you into that. Now, sometimes you hear that kind of number and you think, hey, look, I don't have anything to offer. That's just like a way too big a number. When you start to think about this, it's actually quite simple. We had 750 households commit $50 a month. You know what $50 a month is? Most of the time, it's a movie and a little bit to eat. Uh, that's one time a month. If you did that one time less, maybe a $600, time, uh, $600 gift 
uh, one-time gift. Or 1,300 households commit to $100 a month for 12 months, uh, a $1,200 gift. Or 2,000 households commit to 250 a month for 12 months. Many times, it's very little things. I remember when we did the campaign a couple years ago and started it, there was a, there was a I can't remember, it's a boy, little boy or girl, and they just had a little bit, and they wrote a note, and they're like, hey, this is what I have in my piggy bank. I'm giving it. So they got this image of saying every little bit, like we can come together to f- make that campus flourish and have these other campuses and things around the world happen. So we're inviting you in uh, to that. If you've never heard something like this, if you want to be, because you're being, you're spending money, I'm spending money, we spend money on a lot of things. We're being asked to give to a lot of things. And we're going to ask for that. Now, years ago, several, maybe seven, eight years ago, I was in uh, a Comcast place because my Comcast wasn't working and sorry, Comcast. So I, I was there trying to get it fixed. And I'm sitting in this, and all a bunch of people are mulling around. I had a jacket on that said Kensington. And this guy comes up to me, and he's like, Kensington, that church? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that church. He goes, yeah, I know that church. And then he walked away. I was like, well, that was kind of creepy. And then, so he walks around, he walks around a little bit more, and then he comes back to me, he gets right in front of me like this. And then he's like, yeah, that church, you know that church? And I was like, yes, I know that church, I, you know. He goes, you know what, all you, all you care about is money. That's it. That's all you care about. You, you just care about money. That church, that's all I care about. And I was like, Comcast, can you help me please? You know. And so I said to him, I said, why do you think that? He goes, well, I don't know, every time I go there, it's just talk about money. And I, and I started thinking through it when I left there. And I thought, you know what? The tradition that I grew up in, every week we went, that's what we talked about. This place, in my opinion, being here 18 years, we don't actually talk about it that much. I had a guy come up to me at the end of the last service, and he's like, you know, you guys don't talk about money that much. I'm like, yeah, we really don't. But in this moment, there are moments where we're going to talk about it. And you know why? Because it's worth our life. And this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where we can see. We know what this future can be. We know what these resources can do. And like Steve said, there's a big Kensington footprint here and around the world. We're not bragging about that. But we're saying if we feed that, do you realize what can happen in this world? And so we're boldly going to come and say, come on, join this. Amy and I are reevaluating our initial pledge. We're like, maybe we should really up that and we should do different things. We're praying about that. I'm asking you to pray about it. Because next week... Our last week of this Unstoppable Force uh, series, we're going to do a pledge. And we're going to actually have boxes up here and places you can come. We might even walk across the stage and place things in there. And we're, but I'm asking you this week, take this home. If you don't have it, grab one, ask us. Pray about it, ask God, and do what he says. That's it. And God might say, this isn't your time right now. God might also say, hey, I need you to do this. And that's what we're asking you to do. And so this past week, when we were talking about this service, they showed a video. And I teared up. Because for me, I've watched this expansion. And it's powerful to me. And this video is a number of people that this community, the Kensington community, has empowered as apostles to go. And to take a land and grow. And this is a powerful video. Just take this in, and I have one comment, and then we're going to lift our voices up to God in gratitude. Watch this. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. 
And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 the Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor. Uh, the director of Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, set mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. The first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satan and you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Left Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All, all things new. new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this. It's because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. I see that I see this growth 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 church move 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 it is such a privilege to be part of that let me pray Lord thank you thank you for how you are working in our midst father we know that your scripture tells us that if it's not rooted in you or amounts to nothing but if it is rooted in you it will have eternal impact father we ask that you remove any of it that's not of us and place you at the center of that so that this movement will have power and authority and will change the world. We'll change individuals and change communities through you and you alone. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray. Amen. Well, Jalen and the team are going to lead us in a thought, so I'm going to have you stand up and sing this out because you can't help for me. I can't help but have gratitude in my heart to say thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Sing this out with me. Give thanks for all you have done and I will sing of your mercy and your love 
you. Hey, when you leave, remember, unstoppable force. So I, I pray that over you this week. Uh, please, when you leave, take the Easter invites, grab, invite people back. You never know how that's going to change someone's life. I know that for sure. And then next week, be prepared uh, to come and just really lay down what God has put on your heart for our pledge. We're so grateful for you. I have a great, great week. We have midweek here this week as well. So come back here Wednesday 7. If you need prayer, down front or out in the lobby. We'll see you soon. Thank you.